the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and uh, welcome to live radio as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour. I'm Tom Sumner. Um, we're going to shift gears and talk about uh, uh, something a little different today, uh, talking about meditation, biblical versus Eastern types of meditation, and the benefits and differences with a uh, brain expert, and gosh, couldn't I use a brain expert? Um, Dr. Timothy Jennings uh, is a uh, board-certified psychiatrist and author of The God-Shaped Brain, and uh, we're going to talk about his uh, new publication, as I mentioned, Meditation, Biblical Method versus Eastern Method, A Guide to a Bible-Based Experience with God. He joins me by phone, and uh, with that... uh, Dr. Jennings, welcome to the show. Tom, thanks for having me. Um, let's. I'm I'm wrestling with something because I I, I always think of uh, things that have to do with meditation, and whether it's whether it's biblical or whether it's trying to become one with the universe, what whatever the meditation is, I think of that as something emotional and i tend to relate emotions more to the heart than the brain <laughs> what happens where does i mean how much is the brain involved when we meditate 
So that's a great question. And um, the uh, terminology we use, um, brain or heart, uh, those activities when you emotion, when you emote, when you feel deep love, when you are having the passionate emotional experience, that's all still happening in the brain. It's not happening at the pump in your chest. We always think um, about having a fight between our brain and our heart. You know, what does our heart tell us to do? What does our brain tell us to do? But it's all our right. brain. Right, and uh, neurologically it's happening in the brain, but it's different parts. The part right behind your forehead uh, called the prefrontal cortex, that's where you reason, think, plan, organize, strategize. That's what we often, that's where we do our um, you know, cognitive work. That's where, where we often think of our brain. That's our brain, our reasoning, strategizing part. Deeper in the brain, what we call our limbic system, is where we have our emotions of various kinds. And so the, the battle between the heart and the brain is actually happening in the brain. And in fact, without a brain, we don't emote or feel any emotion at all. But the way our, brain, our bodies are designed is our, our brain is deeply wired into our bodies um, you, there's not a part of your body that your brain is not wired into. And so when you have various emotions, your body will react or feel it uh, through the nerve signals that go out into your body. So if you're nervous, you might have uh, sweaty palms or you might have what people call butterflies on their stomach or your heart may palpitate uh, or you may get nauseated. And all these types of body responses are happening because of signals coming out of the brain. Same too when you feel deep love or deep pain like the pain of loss of somebody in death. Uh, you will feel pain in your chest. Your body is reacting to the uh, signals coming out of the brain, the, but you're actually experiencing those emotions in your brain and your body is reacting to it. What is the difference, or is there a difference, between prayer and meditation? Yeah, so my, uh, and those are, those are great questions. I think, you know, when we use words, people can have different definitions. And, in fact, you look up the dictionary, many words have more than one definition of the same word. And so it is important to clarify those questions. Uh, some people may think they're the same. My, my definition of prayer is conversation with God is with a friend, talking to him, uh, expressing um, your problems, uh, wish list perhaps, complaints, uh, requests, uh, these types of things, more of a dialogue and an, and an intelligent interaction with our Creator. Meditation is different. It's a uh, biblical meditation is a deep contemplation, an active extending of your mind to search out the deep things of God, whether it is uh, some aspect of His law, His word, His creation, in a, in a relationship with God. But it isn't the same as simply you and I, like you and I are talking right now. There's reflective time where you're contemplating and allowing your mind to dig into to uh, possibilities in an enlightened way. Um, so this this is the difference between. Uh, a biblical meditation and prayer. Eastern meditation, though, is quite dissimilar to biblical meditation, where biblical meditation is active and contemplative and interactive with God while you're probing the deep things, searching for answers. Uh, Eastern meditation is a self-directed emptying or quieting of the mind to try and silence all thoughts into a, a, a void or an empty place uh, by the repetition of a single word or focusing your mind, say, on a, a dot on the wall and, and, and silencing or quieting all other types of thoughts during that process. Do the things have, uh, do those two um, versions of, of meditation have, um, let's see, I'm not sure how to, how to even put this, what I'm thinking. It's, um, the question is, do they have, different outcomes yes they do 
they have different consequences on the brain, and from a Christian perspective, they have a different consequence on uh, development and eternity. Um, neurobiologically, we can actually do brain studies and see that when you do Eastern meditation, it actually uh, quiets or reduces activity in the left, he left hemisphere of the brain. Left hemisphere of the brain is where your individuality resides, where your sense of self resides, uh, where your ability to plan, organize, problem-solving for most people where your speech resides. You don't become aware of something until it enters the left hemisphere of your brain. It has to cross the, the middle section called the corpus callosum, and uh, that's when it becomes into consciousness or awareness. Uh, intuition, where people may have good intuition, they have a sense about something, but they're not sure what, that is most likely their right hemisphere picking up on signals from the environment that haven't fully made it to the left hemisphere, but you have a sense and intuition that something is off. Uh, and then once you become aware of it, it's moved into your left hemisphere. So, um, and right hemisphere is where you can have a sense of connectedness in the world around you, the geography, the landscape, wherever you're at, even connecting in the sense with the people around you, but it isn't actually conscious uh, in a fact-based way until it enters the left hemisphere. And so Eastern meditation suppresses activity in the left hemisphere and enhances activity in the right hemisphere so people get a sense of a heightened connectivity and a loss of the sense of their own individuality. And so it can create this sense of euphoria. It also in, uh, suppresses uh, alpha waves, if you do the electrical signals of the brain, alpha, excuse me, suppresses beta waves. Beta is when you're thinking, problem solving, uh, uh, concentrating. Al uh, al and it increases alpha waves. Those are the waves when you're zoning out and not really focusing. And uh, so we actually change brain activity and um, the, um, the, cir the circuits of the brain that are firing. And... Uh, and that's Eastern. Biblical meditation will activate left hemisphere and right hemisphere. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and love. Truth, left hemisphere, love, connecting with others, right hemisphere. And so we get a higher, higher brain engagement when we do biblical meditation. Eastern meditation suppresses the, the side of individuality and problem solving, and there actually does not pursue uh, during the meditation new uh, facts, truths, insights. Even though they call it an experience of enlightenment, there's actually no new enlightenment occurring during Eastern. But during biblical meditation, as you're contemplating things uh, beyond our own finite existence, there can be quite grand enlightenment epiphanies and new insights that occur during biblical meditation. Is, um, is the purpose for meditation or prayer and and I, I don't mean to use those uh, as two completely different things, but but for the purpose of this question, is is the purpose of meditation and the purpose for prayer outcome driven? You know, um, the Bible and Eastern meditation both identify a universal reality that all humans struggle with, uh, and that is the fear of death non-existence. Um, Buddha uh, became frightened about his own mortality and death, and that is what triggered him to pursue the Eastern form of meditation as a way of avoiding this fear of death. The Bible says in Hebrews that uh, um, 
uh, two, excuse me, four, that, uh, no, two, two, yeah, that, that Christ took upon himself human flesh that he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who live all their life enslaved by the fear of death. So we all have this fear of non-existence, of dying. The Bible teaches it, um, you know, Eastern meditation, uh, Eastern philosophies teach it, and so we don't like that. It's existential anxiety. It makes us very uncomfortable. We want it to go away. And so the meditation in the Eastern form is purposeful in its pursuit of, of avoiding those fears. The biblical meditation also, but the biblical meditation is different because in the biblical meditation, we meditate on the truth about God, which enlightens us to a trustworthy Savior, and the meditation, because it's uh, looking at God's reality, diagnoses us as having a problem that, it, without remedy, will result in death, but we're uh, meditating under the uh, truth about God, so we surrender to Him, and we... Our shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. That's not the valley of death. It's the valley where we die to self, the old self, and are reborn in a new life. Thus, we have victory over the, the power of death in our life through what Christ has done for us. It, and, and, what, uh, and so that's what biblical meditation leads through, an actual uh, eternal life experience with our Savior. Eastern meditation, they get the fear of death, but then they go into a self-directed emptying that takes the feeling or fear away, uh, that keeps them from actually transitioning through the valley of the shadow of death where they die to self and are reborn as new creatures in Christ. Can you practice both? Can you be a Christian and practice Eastern meditation, or is God kind of always there? So my view of Eastern meditation is that it typically helps, uh, it typically helps people feel better while avoiding things that need to be dealt with. Um, the, some of the anxieties, like the, the fear of death, um, uh, insecurities we have, uh, are there because there's actually something wrong, and we need a reality-based solution to the problem which our Creator can provide. The Eastern meditation forms, when the anxiety comes, we, we can anesthetize the anxiety so we stop feeling that uneasiness inside, but we actually haven't solved the problem. And so, yes, some Christians do Eastern meditation and they feel better, but they're actually not resolving real issues that the Holy Spirit is trying to lead them uh, to overcome in their own character or hearts. This is fascinating, considering the two, because I, I know a number of people, and many of them are Christians, who like to practice um, Eastern meditation, and in particular um, yoga, which is not exactly meditation, but um but there is it is the physical part of uh, well if you talk to yogis it's all encompassing but um but i know a number of people who practice both the yoga is a little bit confusing because yoga can refer simply to the physical exercise of the body stretching and posturing and things like that, which right. can be healthy to keep your body in a toned and, uh, and uh, limber condition. And so if, if they mean yoga simply with those physical um, routines they go through, I, I don't think there's any problem with that at all. But you're correct. Yoga can also um, include the mental emptying and the, um, and the Eastern forms of meditation, which can be um, uh, a way of avoiding addressing real issues in our own hearts and minds that can be anxiety-provoking while we're dealing with them. Examples in Scripture, um, Peter, after he denies the Lord, goes out and uh, has an agonizing time. Uh, Jacob, the night he wrestles uh, with the angel. Uh, David, after he's confronted by Nathan, 
so, so there are real things in our life that sometimes we have to wrestle through that are quite emotionally distressing to us that biblical meditation leads us into truth uh, with the principles of love, uh, which will ultimately, Doc, as we work those things out of our hearts, Dr. Jennings, I have, to, I have to interrupt here because I have a break coming up. Can you stick around so okay. we can talk some more? Sure. Okay, my guest is uh, Dr. Timothy Jennings. He is a brain expert, and we're talking about the difference between biblical and Eastern meditation. We'll Everybody's be right back. doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world 
Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is Dr. Timothy Jennings, his uh, recent uh, publication, uh, Meditation, Biblical Method versus Eastern Method, A Guide to a Bible-Based Experience with God. And he uh, is with me by phone. Um, Tim, thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No, no, it's okay. Thanks for having me, Tom. Um, just before the break, we were talking about um, the purpose and outcomes of prayer versus Eastern meditation, or biblical meditation, um, more encompassing than, than prayer alone. Um, but um, it makes me, and we were talking about people who practice both, and, and you were saying that, um, that when people practice Eastern meditation, they're not getting the outcomes that they might from biblical meditation. And I, I, I wanted to get into that a little more. Um, with the thousands of years that Eastern um, uh, philosophies have, have been around, has it not occurred to them that they're doing these practices and coming up empty at the end? Well, see, that's the interesting thing, because the, uh, the, these uh, forms of meditation do have real impact on our physiology. The way, our, our, we, way we're created, your mind, as you direct your thoughts in certain patterns, will change how your brain fires, and over the course of time, if you exercise the circuits over and over again, one of the design laws of life, the law of exertion, if you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it, because if you don't use it, you lose it. That's true in our brains as well. Strong musical skill, you've got to practice an instrument. Strong math ability, work problems. Language skills, speak the language. And neurobiology changes. Brain structure changes. Eastern forms of meditation practiced over and over again do change brain structure over time such that they feel a sense of at ease and contentment without ever actually confronting the ultimate underlying cause of the existential anxiety, the fear of death, the condition. Um, and so they, they, the, uh, and, and because of the forms of Eastern meditation, neurobiologically, we'll send signals down calming the amygdala, which has measurable reductions in heart rate and blood pressure and better pain tolerance, so less need for pain medicines after surgery. There's a lot of measurable physiological benefits to doing the Eastern meditation. Uh, there's no question about that. And so because of that, um, and it's uh, measurable and seen, it is um, 
uh, continued to be practiced because there's the belief that there's a benefit. But understand the Eastern forms come from a philosophical landscape without a higher power. There is no intelligence. There is no individual personal God. There's just a, a universe that we ourselves must defend ourselves against, uh, 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 defend ourselves against. And thus this becomes very valuable because it's a tool we can use to defend ourselves against the stresses and anxieties of the universe. So I would not expect them to give it up as long as there is a worldview and a philosophy that there is no higher power than us anyway. And in Eastern uh, philosophy, it's not only uh, a matter of defending oneself against the universe, but perhaps um, becoming one with that universe. Correct. And in the universe, in the Eastern worldview, there's, there's a balance between good and evil, life and death, hot and cold, light and dark, uh, the, the yin and the yang. And so in the Eastern philosophy, there's an eternal existence of both good and evil, which in the Christian worldview is Satan's goal. Uh, in the Christian worldview, Satan wants to exist and have evil exist for all eternity. In the biblical worldview, the, the uh, current existence in which both good and evil exist together in our world is a uh, consequence of sin infecting God's creation. The Bible tells us that one day that will be eradicated while the new heaven and new earth free of it. So there is a different philosophical landscape between those two, and the becoming one with the universe is coming one with the universe in which there is always this tension between light and dark. But aren't we also sort of taking up arms against the devil when we uh, practice uh, biblical meditation? That, that is correct. The, the, the biblical meditation is an enlightened meditation as we pursue greater truth, uh, God's word, God's nature, God's law, so forth. And uh, the, the uh, truth in Scripture is described as the sword of the Spirit because truth actually destroys lies and falsehoods and um, frees our minds. And as we look at what happens in the brain, um, the ideas we believe, and I, te I teach people, we have power over what we believe. We have the freedom to choose our beliefs. But what we, once we choose to believe something, that belief then exerts power over us, uh, both physiological and relational and otherwise. We are changed by the beliefs that we hold. And so to the degree we come to ever-increasing truthful understandings of ourselves and the world around us and reality, we actually become healthier and our brains actually work better. To the degree we hold the falsehoods and distortions it, in, it heightens our anxiety and fear and undermines our health and interferes with our relationships. And how does that um, work in the brain? It, what is it that's, that's happening? How is the brain getting um, stronger from, from either practice? So... Now, the brain is, uh, is, is, is the organ that processes data that gives us to our minds for comprehension and response and reaction. And then the brain will then uh, fire in different ways based on what our minds decide. For instance, you hear a loud bang. Bang! Your brain processes that signal through the auditory um, neurons, and you are alerted. A bang just happened. But then your mind, not your brain, interprets what was that. If your mind says that's a car backfiring, then, it's, then it says, and it's no danger, it sends a signal to your brain to relax, and you, your startle response turns off, and you lean back in your chair. But if the same bang alerts you, and your mind goes, oh, that's a terrorist with a gun outside my office door, then you send a signal to your brain, danger, you fire your amygdala, you kick up your adrenaline, your heart rate, blood pressure picks up, you don't relax. 
So um, your mind is your brain gives information to your mind, which then interprets those uh, um, facts, data, um, events, and draws conclusions to which your brain will then respond. Meditation can take us to a place where we can go beyond ourselves, if it's biblical meditation, to get new truths, new perspectives, new understandings, so that when events happen, we process them differently. For instance, I'm not alone when these things happen. I have a God who I can trust with my future. It's not all on me to handle this problem. Uh, so therefore, we respond differently when faced with adversity versus Eastern meditation, which I'm on my own. I, I, I'm stressed. I need to go meditate and calm myself but I don't have anyone other than myself to turn to, maybe family or friends, but no, no greater higher power to help me in this circumstance. So there's a chronic sense of uh, existential anxiety that I must meditate away. You know, I'm curious about your um, talking about, like in your book, uh, The God-Shaped Brain, um, when you started differentiating differentiating between forms of meditation and their impact on brain health um, and and this new publication uh, meditation um, you are considered a brain expert and and yet you talk a lot about the Bible and uh, a person who prays communicating with God and having an ally in this thing we call life. To what degree is the science you study a way of figuring out what God built? That's a great question. They've done um, studies on people 65 years of age and older, and they have them meditate 12 minutes a day on a God of love for 30 days. Prior to the meditation, they will do MRI scans of the brain, measuring the circuits of the brain called the interior cingulate cortex, where we experience empathy, compassion, altruism, a concern for others. They do baseline measures of heart rate and blood pressure, which is a measure of the stress we're under. Do standardized memory testing. At the end of 30 days, those who meditate on the God of love 12 minutes a day, they could measure growth in the anterior cingulate cortex. It was actually larger. And that's where we experience empathy, compassion. And the way our brain works, when those love circuits are active and firing, they send a calming circuit uh, signal to our amygdala, the, uh, calming the fear circuit. And patients or uh, people had lower heart rates and blood pressure, just as the Bible teaches perfect love casts out fear, we now have a neurobiologic evidence that when you are in a position where you have altruistic love or concern for others, activating those circuits, it turns off the brain's fear circuit. We have less fear. Isn't that interesting? And then these people have um, uh, had 30% improvement in memory testing within 30 days. They had other groups meditate on an angry God, a punishing God, a distant, uncaring God, and they did not get these same benefits in brain function, growth and interesting of the cortex, reduced heart rate, and so forth, because um, it's not simple meditation. It does matter what we meditate upon. They also had others do the Eastern form of meditating on nothing, and they did get growth in the interior of the cortex, and they did get uh, calming of the um, amygdala and lower blood pressure, but it was not as robust as meditating on a God of love. Uh, it was a stronger, measurable signal, larger growth, and more, more robust response when we meditate on a God of love than we meditate on nothing. Tim, I, for most of my life, the relationship between science and faith or, or science and a higher power has always been one or the other. And yet you seem to really comfortably talk about both. Um, is there a, uh, 
in this day of, of divisiveness with people who are doubting science um, and probably doubting God as well, uh, what is the relationship um, between science and faith? So that's a great question, and it depends on how you define faith. There's a, not what I think, a biblical definition of faith, and then there's this fraudulent thing that almost everybody ex- accepts, uh, which is a lie, uh, that faith is believing something without evidence. That is not the biblical view of faith. The biblical view of faith is, is this, the same Greek word is translated as trust, and trust is established on the trustworthiness of the person you trust, and you can't trust people without evidence. And so the Bible is very clear that our faith or trust is based on the evidence revealed to us about the existence of God and His trustworthiness. And so it is to be an enlightened faith. In the in the book of Hebrews, where it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the the uh, Greek there is hypostasis. The first half is hypo, like in hypoglycemia or hypotension. It means lower under, and it was translated to sub as in substance, like subway subterranean, submarine, it means under, and stance means standing. So translated into English, faith is our understanding of things hoped for. And the greater understanding of these things, the more faith we have. And so this, 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 divert, this split came out of a, a dark ages church in which they were teaching a bunch of superstitious things that were not based in reality, um, and therefore they told people to have faith in it without any evidence or substance because there was nothing to have evidence or substance superstition. Um, the Bible teaches in Romans one twenty that God's divine nature is seen in what he has made so that men are without excuse. And so true faith is integrating the evidences of the Creator built into reality and the revelations in Scripture and finding harmony. And I'll give you a simple example. The Bible teaches that God is love, and love is a principle of giving. And if you look into nature, you see that every breath you take, you give away carbon dioxide to the plants, and the plants give oxygen back to you, a never-ending circle of giving upon which life is built. And this is the principle of life, the principle of love. And so we have perfect integration and harmony between both science and scripture and i can tell you rightly understood they always harmonize and that's uh, that's what's fascinating about uh about your writings and it's uh, i want to talk a little bit about the psychiatry of all of this is there are there things about the brain that cause people not to trust? Interesting question. Well, um, I hadn't hadn't considered it that way, but we are born um, into this world with a certain fear and insecurity. We all have it. And so that fear and insecurity um, drives us to watch and protect self, look out for self. Fight or flight. The scientists, yes, fight or flight, but the scientists call, call it survival of the fittest. Me, you know, kill or be killed. Watch out for me. And, and because we all have that insecurity, that fear, that instills a sense of doubt. We, we see the world as a world of threats to us. Uh, and so, yes, there is an, an inherent, and, and the Bible would call this actually the, the law of sin and death. It is antagonistic to the law of life, which is the principle of love and giving. Um, the uh, fear drive causes us to be self-centered and take for self. Uh, to protect self, whereas the principle of love, greater love is no man that he give his life for a friend, uh, is the principle of giving, and that's how God actually built life to operate. And so they're antagonistic to each other, but yes, we are born with this doubt and this fear and this insecurity that can uh, undermine our capacity to trust, and, and that's why it is overcome. You know the truth, the truth will set you free, set you, set you free from these lies that undermine our capacity to trust. Why do we, why do we think of ourselves in, in three ways, mind, body, and soul? 
Well, because we are actually three, three components. The uh, best analogy I can give you would be the analogy of a computer. In order to have an operational computer, it requires three elements. It requires a hard, hardware, the machine, that's our soma, our body, as this, uh, the Greek is soma. It requires software, and uh, our software is our soul, and the Greek for the soul in the New Testament is psyche, from where we get psychiatry and psychology. It's our unique individuality, our personhood, our software. But the computer also requires an energy source, electricity, and thus we also require energy. The Bible calls it the breath of life, but the breath in the New Testament is pneuma, from where we get pneumonia or pneumatic, it means wind or breath. It's, it's the breath of life from God. It's the energy source or the spirit. That's the, uh, the Greek word translated spirit, pneuma, breath. And so in order to have an operational computer, you have to have hardware, you have to have software, and you have to have energy. If you only have one, two out of those three, it doesn't function. Same thing for human beings. We must have the physical body, we must have our unique software individuality, our personhood, and we must have the life energy um, that uh, animates our, our structure. What, to what degree is, um, is, is Bible study important to developing a relationship with God, or is that something we do in conversation? No, I, I think the, uh, um, the Bible was not needed in Eden. The Bible was given as a revelation uh, once, once humankind lost their knowledge of God and God needed to reveal himself more clearly, and once creation became infected with antagonistic principles, and even though God is revealed in nature, there's an antagonistic principle in nature. So the revelation of God in Scripture was provided to us to harmonize with both um, the um, God's laws built into nature and life's experiences, how reality works, and that's where we can find harmonized truth, harmonizing scripture, science, and life experiences together. And when they all agree, then you can stand confidently. Much of what happens is that people split these three threads of evidence, and, and science alone leads to godlessness, and, and experience alone leads to mysticism, the mystical religions or nihilism, and. Um, scripture alone will lead to confusion, and that's why there's over 40,000 different Christian groups all arguing amongst themselves because this verse teaches this or this because they haven't harmonized Scripture with how reality works in God's designs in nature and laws in nature. And, and that being said, uh, Tim, when, when we talk to God, um, with, perhaps without the Bible, um, how do we best determine what his answers are? Well, that's a great. That's another. Great, you're asking great questions, uh, and because people talk to God throughout history uh, without the scriptures in many places, and Paul tells us in Romans two verse twelve that those who have not had the benefit of scripture, the law, the Torah, but do by nature the things contained in the Torah, are uh, law unto themselves. Uh, showing that the law has been written upon their heart. And that's the new covenant in Hebrews 8.10, that will write my law upon your heart. And so uh, while the scriptures are an advantage, to be sure, um, people can find and communicate with God through his revelations in nature uh, and real-life experiences. And God will commune and communicate with them through their conscience uh, via the Holy Spirit and lead them uh, into the paths that are in harmony with, with life, which are the principles of truth, love, and liberty. And... Um, and uh, re uh, the world over, they have 
taken surveys of every culture and religious group in the world and asked them in those cultures, what is your definition of evil? And in every culture, the root definition of evil is exploiting or hurting another person for your advantage, uh, which is selfishness. And that is exactly what the Scripture teaches. So there's a universal sense of, of we know it's wrong to hurt another person. We know it is. Um, but, but because of our own fears and insecurities, many people do evil, hurt other people for their own advantage. Um, but um, that evil is understood uh, universally in our world. And, uh, it, and for those who respond to the Holy Spirit of love and seek to be a blessing to others and resist the temptation of evil, the Lord works with them and, and restores and writes His law in their hearts and minds. But it seems, I've, you know, I've always said that uh, there are two, uh, two documents that get misused for people's advantages uh, historically. One, the Holy Bible, and the other is the U.S. Constitution. Um, aren't people using some of the parts of the Bible to justify, quite frankly, bad behavior? Oh, historically, it's always true. But that's not just for the Bible. It's all religions. Uh, humans have always used their theology, their religion, their, their claim of God's divine uh, rights to be able to advance their own selfish agenda. Uh, even the Jews who crucified Christ uh, did the, uh, c- condemned him in their religious high court and, uh, and uh, claimed that he was a blasphemer against God and claimed God uh, t- uh, condemned him. So uh, it's always historically true that people who are seeking to advance self will use whatever authority they can find in the culture to justify their own pursuit of power. So yes, that's true. Um, Tim, this is fascinating, and I, and I feel like we could talk about this stuff for hours, but we're, we're getting close to the end here, and I always want guests to have an opportunity to share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, obviously, your books are a great place to start, but do you have a website? Yes, I do, uh, and it's filled with all types of free resources. It's called Come and Reason. Dot com and there's blogs, videos, uh, lectures, free mailings, uh, books, um, all types of tracks and support stuff. So uh, you can go there, just type in a question on a topic, and you'll probably find multiple um, uh, resources there to help you with that. And how did you um, how did you get started uh, thinking in terms of how meditation impacts the brain? Well, I've been, I, when I was in my psychiatry residency, uh, as a Christian, I was, I was challenged um, by my professors and the, um, and the psychiatric literature uh, to have a rational belief system, not a, a belief system that was disconnected from objective reality around us. So I had to go back and do a lot of study in Scripture and in science, and that's uh, what's been my passion for over 20 years, um, searching for those truths in God's Word that, is, that are also revealed in science, nature, and how reality works, and bringing those truths out to, in practical application so that I can uh, offer these principles to my patients that can bring real healing to their minds, their, their families, and their lives. Well, Tim, thanks so much for for sharing your expertise with me and the listeners this morning. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a great conversation. Thanks for having me, Tom. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was uh, Dr. Timothy R. Jennings, uh, board-certified psychiatrist and author of The God-Shaped Brain, and he differentiates between forms of meditation and their impact on brain health in his new publication, Meditation, 
Biblical Method versus Eastern Method, A Guide to a Bible-Based Experience with God. And uh, we're going to have more of the Tom Sumner program coming up uh, in just a bit. And don't, don't forget, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to turn the uh, uh, spotlight on uh, Chantelle Bisson, the wife of Yannick uh, Bisson, who is the star of Murdoch Mysteries. But she has a book... Um, called uh, how to let's see what it what's the exact title um, how to be a good parent without losing your cool or something to that effect but it's uh, pretty interesting stuff and that's coming up in uh, just just a little bit but first we're going to take a short break let our broadcast partners at WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint, our voices radio, squeeze a few words in, uh, or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse, there's more straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess 
They're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them two hundred dollars in edible arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question: What is the website for edible arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So, when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing, and never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov/agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov/agcomplaints. For your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a fellow by the name of Noah built an ark. Everybody knows he built a knock. He said, "What did Noah do?" He said, "Well, he built a knock." But very few <clears throat> people know about the conversation that went on between the Lord and Noah. You see, Noah was in his rec room sawing away. He's making a few things for the home there. He's a good carpenter. Vuba, 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 vuba. Noah. Somebody call. Vuba, vuba, vuba. Noah. Who is that? It's the Lord, Noah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where are you? What do you want? I've been good. I want you to build an ark. Right. What's an ark? Get some wood, build it. Three hundred cubits by eighty cubits by forty cubits. Right. What's a cubit? Let's see a cubit. I used to know what a cubit was.、Uh, well, don't worry about that, Noah. When you get that done, go out into the world, collect all of the animals in the world by twos, male and female, and put them into the ark. Right. Who is this real?
What's going on? How come you want me to do all these weird things? I'm going to destroy the world. Right. Am I on candid camera? How you gonna do it? Wanna make it rain for a thousand days and drown them right out? Right. Listen, do this, you'll save water. Let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights and wait for the sewers to back up. Right. effect of an arc on the average neighbor. Now, here's a guy going to work seven o'clock in the morning, Noah's next door neighbor, and he sees the arc. Hey! Yo, up there! What do you want? What is this? It's an arc. Uh-huh. You want to get it out of my driveway? I got to get to work. Listen, what's this thing for anyway? I can't tell you. Ha, 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 ha. Well, I mean, can't you give me a little hint? You want a hint? Yes, please. How long can you tread water? Ha, 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 ha. Of course, Noah had, had a heck of a job, really. He, he had to go out and collect all of the animals in the world by twos, two mosquitoes, male or female. And uh, he had to keep telling the rabbits, only two, only two, only two. We find Noah pulling up the last two animals, two hippos, and he's really in a hurry to get them up because he's afraid that the Lord's going to call him and ask him to do something else, and his nerves are shot. This is one heck of a job for a man 600 years old. <laughs> so we find him pulling up the last two hippos, and of course the Lord does call him there. Come on, fat hippos, hurry up. Come on, will you please? Noah. What? <laughs> what do you want? Gotta take one of those hippos out and bring in another one. What for? Because you got two males down there and you need to bring in a female. I'm not bringing nothing in. You change one of them. <laughs> Come on, you know I don't work like that. Hey, well, I'm sick and tired of this. I've had enough of this stuff. I've been working all day, working on for days and days. I'm sick and tired of this. Noah? Yeah? How long can you tread water? <laughs> Yeah, well, I got news for you. 
I'm sick and tired of this whole mess. If I the, the whole neighborhood's out there laughing at me, they're all having a grand time at good old Noah there. I went out and got my best friend Larry. I said, Larry, listen, I've been talking with the Lord. Larry said, oh, really? I said, yeah, yeah, listen. Lord Larry, Larry Lord, you walked up there laughing. I hear them all up there laughing at me. You know I'm the only guy in this neighborhood with an ark? People around there laughing, picket signs, walking up and down. I'm sick and tired of this stuff here. People are walking around there. How you doing, Tarzan? How's everything up there? Sick and tired of this mess here. You're supposed to know all and see all. You let me go out there and bring in a pregnant elephant. You give me no manual for delivery and nothing. Never told me the thing was pregnant. There's good old Noah waiting underneath the elephant there. Boom! Right on top of the all that stuff for you running around here. You're supposed to know all and see all. Like I said before, you let me go out there and do all this stuff here. You never even looked in the bottom of that ark. Have you looked down there? No. Who's going to clean up that mess down there? That's me. I'll tell you that. I've had enough of this stuff. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm letting all these animals out, and then I'm going to burn down this ark, and I'm going to Florida somewhere because you haven't done nothing. I'm sick and tired of all this mess. You're pulling around, and you haven't done nothing except you got it raining. It's not a shower, is it? Okay, Lord, me and you, right? Because I knew all the time everything was This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.